Hi, everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. This episode is bananas. Oh, yeah. It's called Night of the Summer Solstice. Summer Solstice. So, midsummer. Back, back again. It's midsummer. I don't know why you pronounce it like that. Don't they pronounce it midsummer in the movie? I don't think so. Is that in my head? Maybe. Could be wrong. I could be wrong. Did I hear it in an interview? I feel like I have heard someone else say it because I don't feel like I do that on my own. I might. <laughs> I feel like you would to try to make it sound fancier. I definitely wouldn't. I don't want, we do not need another pistachio on our hands, <laughs> especially now that there is, it is confirmed. Ladies and gentlemen, we have pistachio latte at Starbucks. Oh. It's here. I'm very happy for you. It doesn't taste that good. Oh, I'm less happy for you. This is episode season 29, episode 24. It aired on the 22nd of January of 2021. It's hosted by Keith, and boy is it ever. It is the Keithiest of Keith episodes. Super Keith. So it starts in December of 2020, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that just happened, and you would be correct. We are outside of Los Angeles. There is a parole hearing happening in a prison and the sister of the man's victim that'll all make sense later Mm. and a detective are watching online for the parole board's decision is this person going to be released and now we rewind rewind it's been a while since we've rewinded we are now jumping back (laughs) she's shaking her head at me to june 1990 Around the summer solstice, Mm. which I feel like I want to whisper like secrets. I agree with that. Detective Jackson, Detective Garcia, go to crime scene of a bloody victim. He is called John Doe number 135 Mm. because there's that many John Does in L.A. in a year. No, not even a year, Kimberly. June, six months of a year, starting in January to June. 135 unidentified dead bodies. That's disconcerting. This John Doe had two medallions around his neck. One was a pentagram and one was a cross with the Jesus fish on it. He was found by hikers in a train tunnel in Chatsworth. Where is that tunnel? I have a good friend that lives in Chatsworth. I have no idea. I haven't driven around Chatsworth as much, but I plan to go to the murder tunnel. I didn't even know there were hills in Chatsworth. Where are we? That there would be a tunnel built into a hill. Oh my gosh. Inside the tunnel, there's words painted everywhere, words involving drugs. What? You don't have to whisper drugs. (laughs) I'm going to do it like my mom. And she's like, a new family moved next door. They're Jewish. (laughs) (laughs) But so are you. Why does she whisper if they're Jewish? I feel like she would whisper if they were Gentile. They're Gentiles. <laughs> they're Methodists. A very nice couple. They should totally do that. Lutheran. <laughs> she doesn't know what Lutheran is. She, she might. All Gentiles are the same to us. Let's be honest. Yeah, to me too. And I am one. The police are told that they did animal sacrifices in the tunnel. So they right away think they're looking at some sort of satanic ritual. And some people call it the Manson Tunnel because he once lived nearby. So it is. So it basically is the Manson Tunnel. Do we get to see the words yet? Or no, we see that later. 
Well, what did what I didn't notice? Read the, what the word said on the top of the tunnel. Yeah, what did it say? Holy hell! Oh, yeah. On the entrance to the tunnel, it says "Holy hell." I wish it had said "Tunnel to Hell." I feel like "Holy hell" is worse. I don't know why. It's disconcerting. Entrance to hell would kind of be like "Wah wah." Okay, okay, teenage <laughs> like- dirtbag who wrote that, you know. <laughs> but "Holy hell" feels like. Holy hell is closer to hell mouth for me. And if it had said hell mouth, I would have been terrified. That's I gotcha. terrifying. I gotcha. You need to watch more Buffy. You get kind of desensitized to the hell mouth. So Ooh. then we meet Michael Connolly of the LA Times at that time. Who? Yes, that Michael Connolly. Mm. My mom likes Michael Connolly. Few people on Twitter did not know who Michael Connolly was, which surprised me. With about the dinosaurs. No, he did not. I'm joking. That's a different Michael. <laughs> yes, it is. So and that's Michael Christian, as, as King of the Hill said. Same initials. Yeah. At this point, Keith calls where we are, not sure if you caught it, the San Fernando Valley. God bless you, Keith. God bless you and your pistachio loving heart. And I lost my mind. Pistachios, raspberry, ultimatum. San Fernando. Aluminium. <laughs> I love it. Okay, good. Where Keith is that? I, Keith lives in Southern California. Kimberly, Keith is a Harvard gentleman and a scholar. He's not, though. He's from Canada. A Canadian Harvard gentleman and a scholar. And if he says San Fernando, we should be saying San Fernando and not questioning it, I feel like. I'm, I'm going to do it. As Keith Say it. I'm going to sound really dumb at the post office, but I'm going to do it. Please do it. Please do. I will give you $10 if you do it. <laughs> well, you know what it's like living in the San Fernando Valley, Margaret. It's. But if you say it with enough, Margaret, if you say it. I don't know why Margaret works at the post office. I like Margaret works. If you've said it with enough confidence, I feel like yeah. people would be like, oh, crap. And then they'd go and like do one of those YouTube searches, which is like pronounce this designer's name, which is what I do all the time because I'm afraid I pronounce things wrong. Could I convince the post office ladies that they are wrong about how to pronounce San Fernando? No, because Helen does not care. Helen is overworked. The post office behind, understaffed, underpaid. Also, she knows her job. She knows her job and part of her job. And she knows it's not San Fernando fancy pants. Yeah. Get to the back of the line. Yeah. So a few hours before John Doe was found, Gail and Kay Baker got a phone call saying, we have your son. Unless you give us $500,000 by tomorrow, he'll die. In a weird ransomy voice. Yeah. But not with a, sorry, it it sounded like a little bit like you were doing the voice changer. Not with a voice changer, just weird voice. Just weird voice. So their son, Ron, was a student at UCLA with glorious curly Michael Bolton hair. Oh, yeah. Never seen anything like it. It was a sight to behold. Steel bars wrapped all around me. The next day, the phone rings again, and the kidnappers say, give us 100000 or he'll die. So basically, they're just lowering the price dramatically, like a Black Friday sale every 24 hours. And I would say, I'm just going to wait a week, and it'll be down to 50 bucks. Do you have a discount code for (laughs) 
can I use? Can I enter exactly. my name at checkout? Can I enter yeah. San Fernando and get 10% <laughs> off the ransom price? Thank you. So now Ron's dad gets worried. Now Ron's dad gets worried. What? He was worried before. And finally calls the police. Bear in mind, he's not been able to reach his son since the first kidnapping call the day before. So I found that a little odd, but, you know, it was a different time. It's a different time. I think he thinks that kids is kids and someone's playing a prank on old Mr. Baker. Yeah. Old man Baker. Yeah. The police realized that John Doe, 135, was Ron. Ron and his beautiful, epic, fluffy hair gone, and he was only 21 years old. It's very sad. Really sad. And he also looks just like a really fun, goofy, smiley guy in all the photos. He looks like a friend. Yeah. This was a few years after Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, which I haven't seen the documentary yet on Netflix, but I plan to. So people thought, here we go again with the satanic stuff. Here we go again. Jeez. Can't believe this is happening again. What, satanic panic again? I feel like, yeah, they were like, ugh, satanic panic again. That's so last year. But it is one of Katie's favorite topics. So I knew she'd be excited. I was. TV crews were immediately obsessed with the story because they thought it might be a cult. What are you doing? I don't know. And also, I'm not saying a cult. A cult. I'm saying a cult. They sound very similar. Do you want to spell it? O-C-C-U-L-T. There we go. Ron was a kind, church-going Methodist. He was studying astrophysics in college. Hmm. But there's more. Ron belonged to a club called the Mystic Circle which is what I call my Clovis. <laughs> they would meet... And what I call my receding hairline. Enter <laughs> pros ad here. <laughs> they would meet and do, from the photos, some sort of, like, ribbon dancing. What's that thing where there's a pole and there's a bunch of ribbons and then you're kind of dancing around? The maypole. The maypole. And they studied... Do you not remember the maypole scene from that movie? Because it's kind of the pivotal scene. Yes. I never saw Midsummer though. I only saw Midsummer. They also, I'm, I'm probably wrong. The, they also studied Wicca, the pagan nature religion, and Ron was fascinated by it. He shared an apartment with two guys, Nathan Blaylock and Duncan Martinez. Duncan said they were close friends, even though they were opposites. They had been best friends for years. Duncan's dad taught at UCLA. Nathan used to serve in the army and was a star athlete and was newer to the group of friends. Duncan said the night of the murder, I should say Duncan is a blonde Zach Morris looking dude. Mm -hmm. And Nathan is black, very striking in his army uniform. More to come on that later. Handsome. Yes. Where was I? Distracted by Nathan's handsomeness in his uniform. Super handsome. Mm -hmm. Duncan said the night of the murder, he and Nathan dropped Ron off at the bus stop because he was going to campus to meet with Mike Clovis or the Mystic Circle. Good Lord. In Ron's room, the police found an altar with a pentagram, Wiccan stuff, a sword that they assumed for rituals of some type. It wasn't a sword. It was a long knife. It was like a dagger. I mean, we've seen all sorts of people who collect swords, especially a 90-day fiancé. Sometimes they use it to cut their sandwiches and feel really cool. Sometimes they use it for cosplay. Doesn't necessarily mean it's for human sacrifices or anything. But the police found all this, what they believe to be occult accoutrement. Then the 
we see Keith standing in front. I thought you'd be a little more impressed with that wordplay. A coltramon? Because if you had smushed them together, I would have been impressed. But you, did. why was I supposed to be impressed by two words? <laughs> if you had said a coltramon, you could have dropped the mic. But you didn't say it, did you? But I didn't. <laughs> Not that smart. That would have been that would have been like the the signal, and you could have. We'd be so good at volleyball. I set you up, and you spike. That would have been the thing. Keith is now standing in a classroom in front of a large chalkboard, but we'd never see that scene again. So they got him there because he's here to teach us a lesson. Is this when he gives us a lesson on the occult? He tells us that satanic panic was very prominent around that time, and that's why the police assumed it was that. And then he's out of the classroom scene. That was all. He delivered one line. It's done. At the funeral, Duncan delivered the eulogy. Ron's mystic circle friends were there. Couple things that were strange about the body. Ron's alcohol level was 0.21, but Ron supposedly didn't drink. And he did that night. Who said that, though? Who said he didn't drink? His parents or his friends? Great question. Okay. He had fought off his killer, but this is before DNA. But there is some blood underneath his fingernails, and it's a blood type that's only held by 4% of the population. So that's a start. AB positive. The, sure. I don't mean, there's only four blood types. I The minute they said that, I got really excited. I mean, that means they're going to find him because it's going to be, sorry, assuming it's a him that killed him, because it's going to be rare. It's going to be hard. It's going to be like, oh, as soon as we find the person with that blood type. Yeah, but you can't convict someone on something that is 4% of the population. I wasn't interested in a conviction. I was interested in me knowing who the killer was. I was excited to find out. I see. The police interview his friend Christine, who is apparently a Wiccan expert. And she's trying to explain it. And Keith has this smirk on his face that reads to me, I'm not sure about this, but I live in California and I'm very open-minded. Or I need to be. I'm trying to be very open-minded, but I'm not sure about this whole thing. It kind of creeps me out, Christine. Do you feel like a pentagram has a bad connotation? Yes. Yeah. That's yes, interesting. I do. Because when you look up, do you know what it means? Something to do with the devil? That's what I thought. I thought it was like a symbol of like, instead of a cross, a pentagram represents the devil, right? Because that's like in all the movies, it's the pentagram in blood on the floor. So the actual definition of a pentacle is any symbol that protects against evil spirits. So how's that work? The Satanists are misusing it then. I feel like the Satanists are not using symbols like pentagrams. They're using other things. It's just in the movies. Hollywood has done us wrong. Well, here's a pentagram with a goat face in it. I feel like that might be Satan. No, that's wrong. No, that's very bad. That's very I need bad. To maybe not Google these things on my phone. I don't like that. I should have typed in for school paper. I really should have. Uh-uh. <laughs> okay. Anyways, for spec script of the craft three. Yeah, there we go. That's what you should have written. That's what I really should have done. I messed up. Yeah. So Christine says that Ron liked Wicca because it's very peaceful. He would never do anything involving human sacrifice. He liked that it had to do with nature and things like that. So police finally, finally get off the occult thing. And we in the audience were kind of sad, I feel like. I was I felt a little let down. It's like, I kind of hope that would have gone on for longer than 20 minutes. You were like everyone that was reading the papers. That's what Michael Connolly was saying, that like, really, if you're reading the articles, you're honing in on the fact that it could have had to do with Satanists in a tunnel, right? Not really all these other aspects that the police are looking into. And 
that's exactly how me as an audience member of the state line was. It sounds like you were too, that I was like, oh, here we go. Oh, here we go. It's somebody trying to copy Charles Manson. Like I have all these theories in my head. No. Please stay tuned though. The rest of this episode is really good. Please don't tune out because we're not going to be talking much more about Satan. I feel like we kind of are. It's just in a different form. Okay, there you go. Yeah. I like it. So Nathan and Duncan had told the police that they had gone looking for Ron that night when he didn't come home. They went to look near the tunnel in Chatsworth and the police were like, why? So Keith does one of his very long, prolonged, odd. The police thought that was odd, where he odd, the word odd lasts for about 15 seconds. It's A-W-W-W-W-W-D. Yeah. They asked Duncan to take a polygraph and he fails. So he stops talking. That's not great. No. They think he and Nathan had something to do with it, but what would their motive be? Duncan had been friends with Ron for years. Then Keith sits down with Ron's sister and asks, what was Duncan like? Was he the teller of tall tales? And she says, yeah, he was a storyteller. He was basically the life of the party. He is basically Zach Morris. He is blonde hair and a smirk. And we all know Zach Morris is a sociopath. So I'm sorry. Also, is teller of tall tales a really nice way to say a big fat liar? Yes, 100%. Cool. Yeah. Also, this is the point at which in the episode that I realized that the two roommates that I thought were superfluous, so I did not bother writing down their last names, are actually extremely important to this story. So Duncan and Nathan moved out of their apartment after the murder, and Duncan moved some of his stuff into Ron's parents' garage. Okay. Okay. A month after the murder, there's a panicked phone call from Duncan to a friend of his saying, They've got me in this warehouse in North Hollywood. Oh, I'm being held hostage. Punching sound, punching sound. Uh. Like, sounds like he's being, oh, got me. Oh, no. I'm going to try to escape. You've been whispering this entire episode, and this is the part that is actually whispered. (laughs) And you do it full voice. What's happening? Because it sounded so phoned into me. It did. It did. Oh, I'm being held hostage. I'm in North Hollywood. That's very specific for what you know exactly where you are. I'm on Whitsit. Yeah, no, don't think <laughs> that was terrible. So the police are like, what? Has Duncan been abducted too? So they trace the phone call that Duncan had called his friend from that night, the phone number, and it's a payphone in the airport. He called from a payphone. He faked the kidnapping, and now he's flown off somewhere. In Las Vegas. It's an airport in Las Vegas. In Las Vegas. So now the family of Ron starts to think, hmm, maybe Duncan did have something to do with this. Ron, I applaud them for not being in denial. They pretty quickly are like, this is suspect. So Ron's dad looks through Duncan's stuff in the garage because he left his stuff in the garage. He finds a note of things to do. Number one, get a new identity. Oh, my God. I feel like that you shouldn't have had to write that down. It's one of the most crucial steps to fleeing. Two, sell car. Three, set up new work. Four, sign up with apostrophe for customized skincare. Well, that's a given. And let me tell you, it should have been number one. This episode is sponsored by Apostrophe, a prescription skincare company for people that are ready to take their acne seriously. 
And if you've ever had acne, you know how serious it can be. Yes. Prescription acne treatment really works, but it is really hard to get. I spent a good year of my life chasing down doctors and trying to figure out how to get my skin clear after it flared up much later in life. It's a lot of work to try to see a doctor, then sit in line at the pharmacy for your medications. Until now. Until apostrophe. Apostrophe makes it easy to see a board-certified dermatologist online. You'll get treated immediately and your medications are delivered to your home. All you have to do is fill out Apostrophe's online questionnaire about your skin concerns and medical history, snap a few pictures, and your dermatologist will get back to you with a customized treatment plan tailored just for you. And the best part is that Apostrophe offers topical and oral medications so you can treat your acne from the inside out and the outside in. It's time for me to re-up with Apostrophe. I am currently on a 90-day prescription for two oral medications that have changed my skin completely around. Like I said, I was dealing with serious, serious acne. And because of apostrophe and the great people they have working there and the easy, easy ordering system, I am able to keep my acne at bay with these two medications. And all I'm going to do is go online, meet with my doctor again, snap a few pictures to show her where I'm at in my journey, how my skin is doing since the last time. And she's going to adjust my medications from there. And if I decide that I want to add some, I don't want to say old person skincare in there. If I want to add That's some- That's what I'm on. <laughs> if I want to add some wrinkle care. <laughs> Kimberly, how is Says your- Kimberly's old people medicine. How did that go? How is it working for you? It's what do you great. think? It's great. I was a little nervous because I have really sensitive skin, but when I applied for it, you tell them all the things that you're allergic to. So- it doesn't aggravate my skin at all. And normally, like, I can break out into welts on my face. And this time, nothing. It's just so easy to put on. I'm really liking it so far. And the great thing about apostrophe is if for some reason it did react to your skin, you can immediately contact them and they'll help you out, then prescribe you something else. So right now you can get $15 off your first visit with a board-certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com slash date dateline. And be sure to use our code date Dateline. This code is only available to our listeners, so you guys are the only ones that get $15 off. So please check them out. Go to apostrophe.com slash date dateline and click begin visit, then use the code date dateline again at sign up, and you'll get $15 off your dermatology visit. That's apostrophe.com slash date dateline. Woohoo! But you have to actually spell out apostrophe. You can't put an apostrophe, it would be dumb. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash date dateline to start taking your skin seriously. Seriously, Kimberly. Why are you looking at me? I already got started on my apostrophe journey. All of you, if you have never listened to us before, listen to us about apostrophe. It's a great company, guys. Check them out. You won't be sorry. Thanks, apostrophe. Thank you. Keith says this to-do list of Duncan doesn't look innocent, but it doesn't exactly implicate him either. Yes, it does. It, it doesn't? What is it for then, Keith? What is get new identity? Number one. That's number one on the list. Keith's devil's advocating is amped up to 11 in this episode. Do you know why? Because he's scared. Well, no, just because devil's advocating. Oh, I see. I got you. I didn't care. I missed it. Woo, that went right over my head like a jet plane. 
So weeks pass. Duncan is in the wind. Nathan isn't talking. A year and a half passes. Police are just waiting for Duncan to show up somewhere. Meanwhile, in Boston, Massachusetts, a seasoned and very particular passport agent named Duncan Hayward Maitland, who is also named Duncan, like the Duncan that is in the wind. But instead of being a charming Zach Morris storyteller, this Duncan is a curmudgeon. He's Ed Asner. I'm obsessed with him. He's a champion. He's the MVP. He needs a spinoff show. We've said that before. This man needs a spinoff show. You watch this episode and tell me he shouldn't get a spinoff. I dare you to tell me. I defy you. So these three young men go up to his table, counter, whatever, office, passport office. And one of the men says, I need an urgent passport. I'm going on a plane to Paris tonight. Okay. Okay. His name is Jonathan Miller. His form of ID is a school transcript. No photo. Okay. Maitland tells him, you need a valid ID and passport photos. The guys go away and return with a photo. Maitland says, but where's your ID? And Jonathan Miller says, well, these are my two friends. They'll vouch for me. Lord, give me the confidence of a mediocre white man to think you can get a same-day passport with no ID but two friends who will vouch for you. Maitland says, no. Yeah. We need a blood relative. And Jonathan says, it's not possible. You need to start playing a tiny violin now. Mm -hmm. I was abused at home. I left home early. I only have an eighth-grade education. Please, sir, can I have some more? Mm -hmm. And Maitland says, well, that's fine, but you won't get a passport. Wow. Like, he has heard all the stories. He doesn't care that you have a sob story that you're basically Annie. Yeah. He doesn't care. He smells something fishy and he says, walk away, sir. No, thank you. So then Jonathan tries to present to him a new social security card, like brand new. And... Maitland thinks that's also very shady. This whole thing is so shady. And Maitland's seen everything. He's not having it. Maitland sends Jonathan away. The next day, Maitland turns into a detective. He calls the school that Jonathan says he went to. On the transcript, it lists a bunch of classes that are apparently sophomore level classes, even though Jonathan said he dropped out in eighth grade. And his transcript also lists a California achievement test. And again, they are in Boston. You, okay, so Maitland is basically what Maitland is doing is the opposite of what probably any other federal employee would do, which is just be like, you need these two forms. If you don't have them, you're not getting a passport. Get out of my cubicle desk office, wherever I am. Thank God that Maitland was the one these guys walked up to. Yeah. And it makes me wonder why these guys didn't just go back another day and try with a different guy. Or was Maitland the only one they could see? Because I don't feel like everyone else in that office cares as much as Maitland does. And they probably all make fun of Maitland for caring too much. Is he the supervisor? Because he should be the supervisor. He should be the supervisor. He should be my supervisor. Like He should he be should my be... life coach. He would help me find my social security card. He totally would. I'm actually but he wouldn't him. put up with any BS. He wouldn't put up with any BS. If you fail one deadline that he sets up for you, you're out of the program. 
I'd be so gone. Keith also seems to be delighted by Maitland, by the way. The two of them together, that would be a great crime fighting team. Maitland and Morrison. Maitland, Ampersand, Morrison. Love it. I love it. Maitland calls the FBI and they place an arrest warrant out for Jonathan for committing passport fraud. Mm -hmm. But Jonathan is gone with the wind. Two months later in Utah, a highway patrolman pulls over a car. It's Jonathan Miller. So he's arrested and put into Utah jail. In Webster, Massachusetts, a state detective goes to Jonathan's last known address, knocks on the door, says, we're here for about Jonathan Miller. The man who answers the door says, that's my son, but he died when he was a baby in an accident. And then starts crying. And then starts crying. So who is this Jonathan Miller? Dateline asks us. Clearly, it's a ghost. We know the deal. It's an occult storyline. They tricked us. Oh, ghost baby. Occult was coming back. It was a ghost baby that is now grown up. The poor dad of Jonathan Miller, this Massachusetts tough guy, is crying saying, my son died 20 years ago as a baby, and now he's having to deal with this police knocking on the door saying, we're here for your son. He's crying in a Boston accent. Somehow it makes it so much more sad. It's so much more sad. So much more sad. Maitland explains to Keith, what we're dealing with is IDI, infant death identity, which is when you steal the identity of a deceased baby, which is kind of the worst thing that you can do. But then he says, but it's a good it's- <laughs> way to hide. It works. He does these dramatic pauses when he really means it. Yeah. It's everything that he's saying is a soundbite. Every single yeah. sentence is like, mm-hmm. put that on your ad for this episode. It's <laughs> really intense. I couldn't love it more. Also, Keith seems shocked by infant death identity. Just shocked. And then Maitland goes on to explain to the audience how to do it, which I'm not going to repeat here. No, thank you. Please. So then Maitland called the Massachusetts Center of Vital Records, and he asked them to find Jonathan's death certificate, the baby Jonathan, but it's missing. And he's so he's talking to Keith and he goes, and guess what? It's missing. And Keith goes, really? Flings his head back. I tweeted out a picture of it, a video of it. And within five seconds, Dateline had memed it. They made it a gift for us. It's a gif. It's out there. You got gift? Keith got gift, but I instigated the... I instigated. I basically asked for the gift. I made a very poor one on my camera phone. They made a professional one within two seconds. Appreciate that, NBC Universal, for taking care really? of that for us. Really? Like, so shocked. He throws his whole... I felt like he was going to get whiplash. He's shocked this whole case. Keith is this like... This whole case this is, is shocking beyond to me. Yeah. So Maitland says someone had cut the death certificate out of the book. That's shocking, though. And we never find out more about that, ever. You see that it has, like, a little tear in it. So somebody just, like, licked their finger, put it down the side, and was like... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jonathan is taken into custody and won't say who he is. But after some time in jail, he finally admits that he is Duncan. Who? Duncan Maitland? We already knew that. Duncan from the beginning. 
the detective calls the real Jonathan Miller's dad and explains to him what happened. And this really tough Massachusetts guy is still crying, but he's ready to not crack some skulls. He's furious at this point, and I would stay out of his way. So now we are 1992 in jail. Duncan's lawyer calls the detectives in L.A., says he's willing to talk about what happened to Ron, but he wants immunity. Of course he does. Mm -hmm. So they give him a king for a day deal. And Keith says, fancy. So basically this means that whatever he tells them that day, they can't prosecute him. What? Yeah, it's a terrible deal, but they felt like they had nothing. But it's terrible. It gives them nothing because if he says, I did it, they can't prosecute him. And if they don't do it, they have nothing. So they can't prosecute no, him. No, it's not that they can't prosecute him. They can't prosecute him based on anything he says that day. So if he, he does say he does it, they have to find the evidence to convict him without ever using what he's saying. That's what I got from it. So he could say, I did it, blah, blah, blah. But if they don't have physical evidence or any other evidence, they can never use that he said it. Okay. Is that right? Yeah. Well, they have no other evidence. So. Right. So they're kind of hosed either way. I th- do you feel like just at this point, they just want to know? Yeah, I think so. Maybe. I think they just need to know. Mm-hmm. And they're probably hoping he'll implicate Nathan so they can get someone. So the only way they can prosecute him is if he breaks his end of the deal, which is he can't talk about the case to anyone. And remember, he loves to tell a tall tale. I remember. So he says the, that night he and Nathan lured Ron to the tunnel. As they were walking down the tracks, Nathan tripped and Ron made a joke about Nathan tripping. And Nathan had the perfectly natural reaction, which is to stab Ron. What? And Ron is crying, screaming, help me, Duncan, help me, Duncan. And Nathan's face was very scary, Duncan said. And then Duncan said, just make sure it's over. I don't want him to suffer. So just kill him already. And which is so sweet. So Nathan then slits his throat. Okay, question. Yeah. What happened in between tripping? Right. Ron making a joke. And then, I'm sorry, where did Nathan get... A knife. Brought it with him. Right, because you're going to the hell mouth. So I see why you'd bring a knife. Right. Does that seem like a normal reaction? No, that's why I said he had the perfectly normal reaction. Okay. I was being sarcastic. Yeah. No, it doesn't make any sense. Then Duncan says the boys ran away. They called the Ron's parents and pretended it was a kidnapping. And Duncan said he was scared of Nathan. So he just did whatever Nathan said at this point. They went home, they cleaned up, they ditched the murder weapon, and then they went to a party because they're young kids after all. Duncan says they had discussed doing something beforehand, okay? Okay. Premeditation. <laughs> Inspired by Dragnet. And if you were as surprised as I was, the Dragnet was coming into this. I was, because isn't this takes place in the 90s, correct? And Dragnet was in the, was there a new Dragnet in the 90s? No, but I will get to it in Twitter. Oh, okay. So they saw this dragnet about some sort of kidnapping for money scheme. And Nathan said in a joking manner, we should do that. And Duncan said he didn't really think that he was serious, which is why he went along with the plan to lure Ron to the tunnel that night. So obviously he did think he was serious and he was totally going along with the plan. The detective tells Keith there's a French term 
Volley a deux, the madness of two, which is two people together doing something that they normally would never do on their own because they're kind of one-upping each other. Duncan is set free in Utah. He admitted to playing a part in a murder, and yet he is allowed to walk free. And police just believe his story that Nathan was the actual stabber. Why? Okay, so Duncan's theory was the black guy did it. And police said, okay. That, that's what I was about to say. More on that later. Two years go by. Detectives are focused on Nathan. He's been arrested for a bank robbery and is in jail. All they have is Duncan's story and a tiny bit of forensic evidence. The blood type under Ron's fingernails does match Nathan's. But they need more. So they want Duncan to help. Like they're all on the same team now. Duncan is a, he's a wily little weasel. He's a schmoozer. He's like the schmooze, like schmoozer with a capital S. He's the king of schmooze. And they now trust him to help with their plan because his qualifications are he faked a kidnapping and ran for years and stole a baby's identity. He should be in jail for identity theft or fraud or faking a kidnapping and wasting police resources at the very least. At the very but least. But he is out free, free as a bird. Okay. Why privilege? Duncan calls Nathan in prison. They're taping the call. They catch up. Duncan tries to get Nathan talking. He says, like, remember how you got your hand scratched that night? And Nathan says, when we were wrestling? That's one word for it. That was good, Nathan. That was and good. And then he says, then he says, I don't know if this line's secure or not. That was also good. It's not. It's You're a in prison, prison line. So no. Please stop. Have you never seen a TV show ever? They saw Dragnet. Stop it. He knows. Yeah. But then Nathan invites Duncan to the prison to visit him. And Duncan is super excited to wear a wire. He feels like he's in a sting. I hate him. Duncan tries to get Nathan to talk. Duncan says, there's stuff of you on that wall. When you scratch yourself, your blood is probably on that wall. And Nathan says, no, it's his blood. And then he says, it just happened. And so that's not good, but it's getting there. It's getting more to be what the police need. Because he said, it just happened. So he's acknowledging that... Something happened, yeah. With him being involved, okay. Yeah. Duncan is still out free, even though he basically killed his best friend, spoke at his funeral, faked a kidnapping, stole a dead baby's identity. Did he get the stuff out of the garage? And left his stuff in the friend that he killed's parents' garage, using up their valuable real estate of space. Sorry, he also pretended that called for a ransom. So you're right. He faked two kidnappings, technically. But he's fine. He's out. He goes to college. He goes to the University of Utah. Because then we find out he's only 22. How was he only 22? Because after high school, when Ron had gone to college... He had gotten a job. So he had not gone to college. He had taken some gap years. So now he's going to college. But I just can't believe he's only 22. I feel like at this point, he's like late 20s. Right. No, it's only been a couple years. Working at the bounce house rental place. And he's, yeah. No, it's only been like a year and a half at this point. So he goes to the University of Utah studying film. He rushes oh a God. frat because oh. of course he does. Of course he does. He was popular because he's Zach Morris. And Keith says he went from big-time murder suspect to big man on campus. It's a good one. He also liked to go by the nickname Doofus O'Reilly. 
Why is that? What? Is that like because of Baba O'Reilly? What's Baba O'Reilly? Teenage Wasteland. Only Teenage Wasteland. Do you know that song? No. It's by The Who. It's called Baba O'Reilly. I, that's honestly, I, I was like, it, is it time period? I don't know. I have no idea. No idea. Doofus O'Reilly is a really dumb name. Let's just leave it but at that. But it's really, it's a doofus name. Yeah, stupid. He's very charming, though. He's the life of the party. He starts dating a sorority girl, Melissa. She thought he was super cool because he had a leather jacket and a tattoo and was kind of a bad boy. She has no idea. <laughs> she says it was like dating Guy Fieri. Like, that's a good thing. She thinks Guy Fieri is basically the Fonz. So, and I'm sorry to our listeners who maybe love Guy Fieri. I think he's a very nice guy. He does a lot of work for charity. I have a close family member that very much likes Guy Fieri. Kim really likes Guy Fieri. But I don't think Kim would say he's a sexy bad boy. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm getting caught up. It's that's, really that comparison. Right. It's like I can't make it make sense in my head. The flames on the shirt and the spiky hair does not to me... It reads to me lead singer of Smash Mouth. It doesn't read to me sexy bad boy on campus. But whatever. Apparently, Duncan is, or Doofus, should we say, is, I should call him by his Christian name, Doofus. He was a Pied Piper. People followed him. Very popular. Police convinced Doofus to call Nathan in prison again. So Nathan calls and he says, dude, I have a problem. There's a warrant out for my arrest and I'm freaking out. And he says, you know, Nathan, this is something that you did that's messing me up. It's messing up my life. And Nathan says, basically, I've asked God for forgiveness. It happened. It was a mistake, but I have to go on with my life. So that's a lot more now. They're getting more each time. Police drop off Duncan at the college after doing this phone call. And Duncan says to the cops, it's a shame we had to meet under these circumstances. You guys would be a lot of fun to hang out with. Lord, grant me the confidence of a doofus. I can't. I, I just, I'm speechless. I'm sorry. I know it's a podcast, but <laughs> the scumbaggery. The douchiness. Douchous O'Reilly should have been yeah. his name. The snake oil salesman-y. Yeah. But apparently he's really good at it because everyone around him falls for it. So we're just not seeing it because we're only hearing about it. And if we saw it, maybe we'd be like, oh, yeah, he's super charismatic. I don't know. I, don't, I feel like we know some pretty charismatic people and they're not like douche, loudmouth liars. I feel like you and I could tell pretty quick that he was a liar. I would hope so, but who knows? Yeah, but actually, no. But would we have known in college? I won't get fooled again. I Sorry, I'm on the who. It's <laughs> over. I'm sorry. Apologies, everyone. Um, <laughs> no, in college, I think we would have been taken in by a flim flam man or two. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I honestly think so. So Keith says, was Duncan getting away with murder? Maybe, but he's too smart to screw this up, isn't he? No, Keith. His nickname is literally Doofus by choice. So no, he's probably not too smart. Melissa, we find out, was president of her sorority. She was nerdy. She drove a Volvo. She says she basically was a Volvo. Hold on. I don't know why we're hearing about this. There's nothing nerdy about a Volvo. I'm going to state that emphatically right now. They are safe vehicles. 
I again, I just don't know why we're hearing that much about Melissa, to be perfectly honest. Why do we need to hear about her personality type? Are we going to hear if she's an AF6, whatever? Like, I don't care, On the Briggs Melissa. Meyer, I found out that I am. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't care. <laughs> I'm an empath, actually. A seventh level empath, which means that I have special sparkly personality traits. I'm sorry. Have you seen those videos? I love it. But they're like, this is the rarest. The voiceover is always, this is the rarest personality type in the world. I have clicked on a few of those in my lifetime and like immediately clicked off because I'm like, well, this is a pile of hooey. I I can't even, that makes me cringe. I'm going to send you two specific videos that you're not going to get 30 seconds in. You're going to be like, nope. Nope. So Melissa is a Volvo. Duncan Doofus tries to impress her by saying he had witnessed a murder and was helping the police with it. Now, remember, he's not supposed to talk about it with anybody. What I really want to know, was she impressed? Was he trying to get her into bed? Yes. That I'm already going to answer my own question. I think 100% yes. He says to her, He and a roommate had talked about going after a friend. It was an intentional plan. It's not good looking good. Going after a friend? Yeah. So Melissa talks about it with a couple friends because she wasn't signed to any king of the day, king for the day deal. And the story spreads. That friend told two friends and that friend told two friends. It's college. Remember those commercials? You know those commercials with the shampoo? Anyways. Oh, I thought it was for herpes. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was for shampoo, I think. Loose lips sink ships. So the story made it all its way to the top of the fraternity, to the alumni of the fraternity, and the campus police. Duncan is kicked out of the frat, and he's furious with Melissa because he had told her something he was sworn by police not to tell. So he's mad at her which is totally logical. And she said he was kind of scary at this moment. She was a little afraid of him and his whole facade of being this Zach Morris fun time guy was slipping a little. He told you this horrible thing that happened in a tunnel. (laughs) That should have scared you. That should have been the thing, Volvo. Yes, yeah. (laughs) Detectives are going after Nathan still. They go to see him in prison. He says he's innocent. They pull out the tapes of the phone calls and Nathan's head just drops. So he basically folds right away, admits that he stabbed Ron. Since Duncan has this deal, as far as the police know, Nathan is taking the whole rap for Ron's murder. Duncan's only repercussion so far is getting kicked out of his frat. Who is he going to play beer pong with? It's very serious. But Keith tells us, Fate has a sense of humor in the form of a living, breathing rat. Dun, dun. A detective in Utah is brought in to interview a kid who is caught burglarizing a sporting goods store. This kid is cooperative and cordial, dare I say, charming. Uh-oh. Duncan is now a burglar. He's about to be put in jail. The police want his ID first. He says, it's at my apartment. We can go get it. And so the police accompany him to his apartment. And as they're leaving, Duncan says, hey, can you feed my pet rat for me since I might be in jail for a few days? The police say, sure, we'll feed your rat. 
So the detective walks over, feeds this pet rat, and next to the rat cage, he sees Duncan's day planner, which of course Duncan has a day planner because he made that to-do list. He's a very organized criminal. Also stupid. (laughs) Yeah, can't remember get new identity on his own without a list. No, needs the list. In the planner, the detective sees homicide detective from L.A. Rick Jackson's card. He's like, that's weird. So he's later on, he calls the L.A. detective. So the Utah detective says to the L.A. detective, do you know this guy, Duncan? Yeah. Well, I caught him breaking into a sporting goods store and he's saying he did it because someone's extorting him because he saw somebody get murdered. And the person says, do this burglary for me or I'll tell the police, which basically means that you were involved in this murder. Now, if I were Duncan, I would say the police already know I told them everything a long time ago. But the bottom line is that this means he's been discussing the case with someone else. So his king for a day deal goes out the window. So the Utah detective is now working with the L.A. detective. He tapes himself talking to Duncan, and he plays kind of like a fatherly figure, giving him advice, saying, Duncan, tell me more about this blackmail situation and what happened with your friend. And Duncan, who is white, I don't know if I mentioned, he's already out of jail for the burglary. It's been like a day and a half. Duncan says, I witnessed my best friend kill my best friend. They, we had seen this date dragnet on a kidnapping and we thought we could do it better. But it all went bad when Nathan tripped and Ron made a joke and Nathan stabbed him. And Duncan is telling the detective this so calmly. Like, and Ron is saying, help me, Duncan, help me, Duncan. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, it's just so casually. Like he's told and the story a thousand times. A thousand honestly. times. So Duncan says to Nathan, you better finish him off. You can't leave him like that. Cut his throat and finish him off. And what's really sick is he, I think he keeps adding this story, adding this part of the story, because I think it, he thinks it makes him look like a good guy. Like he was putting Ron out of his misery by instructing Nathan to slit his throat. Yeah, that would be incorrect. And it is exactly the opposite. It means you gave the death blow, basically. The coup de grace was yours. You instructed it. And But I think he really thinks that it makes him look like a nice guy. I fully agree. Now, Duncan can be indicted for the murder, just like Nathan. Now, at this point, they show photos of the two guys' mugshots. And Nathan, who is black, is lit very poorly and made about 10 shades darker than he actually is. And so everyone on Twitter was super upset because they basically OJ'd him, which is what the media did to OJ. And they made him look really dark because they felt like darker equated scarier and more likely to commit a murder. And I don't think Dateline's doing that, but I think that the jail did that or they took a poorly lit photo. Sorry, also, isn't this jail by jail, though, Kat? Because they're both arrested in two different places. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Not that Nathan deserves my woes. He's a murderer. But it's quite shocking when you see the photos side by side. Mm -hmm. So at one point, like, they show the photos side by side, and Keith goes, but why isn't Nathan getting treated the same way? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, Dateline, you're going to say it. 
You came so close, but you didn't say it. So far, just to recap, Duncan has faked a kidnapping. He got caught trying to leave the country using a dead baby's name and commit passport fraud. He's been helping the police on a murder that he was a part of. He robbed a store. He is totally out of jail. And Nathan has been in jail this whole time for the bank robbery. So Nathan's trial is first. He's found guilty. He gets life without parole, which he deserves. Not saying he doesn't deserve it. He is a murderer. No doubt. Now it's Duncan's turn. Because he helped the cops, he's offered another deal. Even though he totally effed up the first deal that they gave him. The privilege is strong with this I'm one. sorry. Do you feel that also Duncan has a very good attorney? Because it's not Duncan that's giving the deals. It's the attorney. Who's his attorney? Well, no, the prosecutor's offering him the deals. It's up to his attorney whether he takes them or to negotiate another deal back. This is the cops and the prosecutor offering him this deal mm. out of nowhere because he helped them before. They're just doing this out of goodwill. Because he helped them get Nathan. Correct. Yeah. Even though he totally effed up his side of the deal last time, he's offered this other deal. And so he, if he pleads guilty to second degree murder, he could possibly get out after only 12 years, oh. 12 years for participating in a murder. But guess what? Our boy Duncan, he says, no, thank you, sir. No, of course. He's Zach Morris. He's going to get out of it. He thinks he's the, they're going to find him not guilty. He wants a better deal. He wants to be on probation for a murder. He goes to trial. The defense says, you know, he did help the police solve it, kind of. The prosecution says Duncan admits multiple times that he gave the order to finish off Ron, quote unquote, which is his words, not mine. And the jury just can't ignore that. So he gets guilty of first degree murder. Should have taken that deal, Duncan. Should have taken the deal. I'm sorry, did he testify, though? Did we ever find out if he testified? We don't know, but I can 95% certain that Duncan being Duncan and thinking how charming he is, that he testified. I thought so, too. Okay. I would be shocked if he didn't testify. Yeah, me too. But now he's totally screwed. I was laughing at my screen mm -hmm. at Duncan's hubris. So Ooh. Nathan and Duncan both go to prison for 25 years. Yeah. Now we jump ahead to 2020, again, summer solstice time. Ooh, I don't like it. <laughs> it always seems to happen, summer solstice. The governor of California pardons a bunch of prisoners. One of them, Duncan. His sentence is commuted, and now he's eligible for parole. So now we are back at the beginning, and it is Ron's sister and one of the detectives they're both horrified, and the detective points out there's lots of other non-murdery prisoners that could be released. Mm -hmm. You could pardon the weed cases. You could pardon that mom who lied about where she lived so her son could go to a better school. You could pardon lots of people mm -hmm. rather than Duncan. Why did Duncan, why did he get on that list? He applied to be on that list, or his lawyers did. I see. So you had to be kind of on it to know about this to apply. No, I mean, I think anyone—you can apply for pardons all the time. You just won't get them. 
okay. usually. But I'm just wondering, is this something that came over the loudspeaker? At, I mean, this isn't like a situation in jail where you had to know about this. Your lawyers would know that you could do this. Would a public defender come and Well, tell? no, it's a wonderful question, and we'll get to that in a second. Okay, sorry. That's a great point. So we are now back at the parole hearing at the beginning where the detective and Ron's sister are watching remotely. Duncan addresses the board. He says he takes full responsibility. He was a terrible person back then. No, don't say that about yourself, Duncan. What? You only helped murder your best friend, stored your things in his parents' garage, gave the eulogy at his funeral, faked your own kidnapping, stole a dead baby's identity, ratted out your other best friend, threatened your girlfriend, broke into a sporting goods store, all with a poop-eating grin on your face. No. He's good people. Or it's, he's good people. I, yeah, I could hang out with a guy like that. My God. Where are all the good guys? My God. They're all in jail. So he says, I'm a changed man now. And the board grants him parole. And I just want to say something about this that has nothing to do with white privilege. It is very messed up to me that to get parole, you have to admit that you are remorseful for what you did wrong. Meanwhile, there are innocent people in jail who will never admit they did wrong because they are sticking to the fact that they are innocent and they will never get paroled because they refuse to admit they did anything wrong. But then you have murderers who admit they did something wrong and murdered someone, but they're really sorry about it. That, and they can get parole. Yeah, that part of the system is a little busted. Busted. That specific thing is outdated and not You're asking correct. these people who are innocent to lie, basically, and fake that they have remorse, which means that the remorse system of release is faulty. It's all based on a lie. So it's, yeah, it's all, it's very messed up. The detective and Ron's sister, Patty, are devastated. And it's really sad. She says she's glad that her parents have since passed away so they wouldn't be around to see this. I actually fully agree with her. Because they were through enough. I was like, yeah, thank God. Been through enough. Let them think that they stayed in prison. So then Dateline says, as they put both men's mugshots on the screen, why did Duncan get parole and not Nathan? And that's when I was like, oh, you're going to say it. But no. Keith explains that Nathan didn't apply for parole. And then I asked the same question that Katie asked, which was, I think that Duncan, whose father was a professor at UCLA, probably is in a better position to get really good legal counsel more than Nathan. No, which is why I ask if they are given notice of something. Sorry, I'm, I may sound really dumb. I don't know if it bees sentence like conversions come up every so many years or whatever, or you just had to be continually applying for pardons? Well, yes, you continually apply and it takes years. So Nathan, I'm sorry, Duncan had applied for like three years before or his lawyers did. Sorry, not a pardon, a conversion. Okay. Sentence conversion. A sentence conversion from no, no possibility of parole to parole to possibility of parole. It's what Pam Smart's trying to get. Okay. Gotcha. Commuted. His sentence is commuted. Commuted. There we go. So Nathan has since now applied for parole, but we won't know for a few months if he gets it or not. I don't know if they'll air an update episode or what. Will it help that his counterpart got it? I don't think so. I don't think it will because there's still a huge difference in their parts of the crime, which I'm not discounting at all. I'm not saying it's all about race. Like Nathan is actually the one who stabbed him. 
I'm sorry. Do you think there's any way that Duncan didn't? Duncan didn't what? Also stab him? No, I think it's possible, but I don't, I'm not sure. We only have the blood sample that is definitely not his. It is Nathan's under Ron's fingernails. And so we have nothing else to go by. But we also have Duncan, I'm sorry, Nathan himself never says that Duncan's also stabbed him. He says, I stabbed him. But no. I'm the only one that stabbed him. You go back and listen to the conversation they have in jail because Nathan kind of implies that Duncan did something as well. Duncan, uh, Nathan kind of implies it. He doesn't say it straight out, but it's something in the conversation. I'll try to find it because it immediately makes Duncan like start talking fast. And Duncan says like, well, I just don't know. How do you get over it, man? How do you get over it? Like that. He like changes. Duncan's very good. He changes the subject very quickly. But I was like, oh, Nathan just almost got him in trouble. Why would Nathan then not tell the police that? We have no idea what happened in Nathan's trial. There's a very good chance they did blame him. I feel like Dateline would have told us. I hope so. If Duncan's story this whole time that he had been just go alonger and part of the planning of it, suddenly it was proved that he was part of the murder, like they were handing the knife back and forth. Boy, I would hope. He has a huge part in it. He planned it. We Again, we don't know what to believe if the whole... Do you think that the plan was to kill him? Oh, I would love to Do you think the plan know. was to kidnap him for money and Nathan just snapped? I was going to ask you. Nathan had just gotten back from the army. I don't know what happened to him in the no. army. Were they drunk? Remember, the alcohol blood level was really high in Ron. Yeah. So we don't know exactly, was this a... Skylar niece type situation and they made a plan just to randomly kill their friend or was this what they said which was a kidnapping thing and then it went wrong you're gonna hate me do you think there's any way it was drugs no I think it's possible it was drugs that they were like dropping acid or something yeah I mean Ron we don't know we only hear that one time that he didn't drink but we don't know who that came from No, not Ron, the other two. That's true. They could have been on drugs. They could have slipped him something or they, yeah, they could have just been on drugs. We don't know. Because the weird thing is it seems like cocaine where like somebody falls because they're drunk or they've been drinking or whatever, but you're also doing drugs. And so you snap, snap type situation. It's weird. It's a weird story. I don't believe the trip and fall. I don't feel like cocaine was the super big drug for like college kids. I feel like. Okay, but so sorry. I'm sorry. And we also need to forget the whole trip and fall story because whatever that story is, that's not actually what happened. I don't think. Unless Nathan was so on drugs that he snapped. So Nathan applied. We don't know if he's going to get out. He wrote a letter to Dateline saying it was an accident that turned into a nightmare. And he's sorry for the family. Then Keith says what they did, the madness of two. And then he says the parole board and the governor can still reverse the decision to let out Duncan. But if not, he'll be out in June. Oof. In time for... Midsummer. Summer summer solstice. I assumed there would... Everyone on Twitter was so furious. I assumed that somebody was going to instantly create a change.org petition begging Governor Newsom to not to like reverse Mm -hmm. the pardon. There's not anything up there now. The episode just came out last night. 
But people on Twitter were really mad. But I feel like they're just going to forget about it like we do about most things. Yeah, probably. Yeah. It'll take someone to actually really care. Well, maybe the right person will watch this episode and really care and have some resources to be able to help. Right. That'd be great. That's what Dateline does great with is getting the stories out, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we wouldn't know about this without Dateline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about B-roll? No. <laughs> great. <laughs> Absolutely not. Do you have a dedication for this episode? You know who I'd like to dedicate this episode to? Who? I would like to dedicate this episode to everyone that's at our $2 level. They get no benefits really, but they just do it to support the show. And I think that's amazing. And $2 goes a long ways to keep this podcast running, especially when there's a lot of you. So thank you to everyone that's at that level. You're not getting bonus content. You're literally just doing it out of the goodness of your heart. So I feel like we should do something special for our $2ers. Well, if they signed up more recently, they get a sticker. That was when we had a switch in our tiers. But if you signed up before that, you really got nothing. Wow. Yeah, it's like literally just to be nice. Silent heroes. You are the silent heroes. You are the wind beneath our wings. You are a hero. Your $2 means everything to me. <gasps> Good work. Thank you, guys. Seriously, you don't get enough credit. You and don't. You deserve it. So yeah. thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate you. So now B-roll Bonanza. Yes, ma'am. They keep showing this photo of Duncan with his tongue sticking out because, of course, they do. Yeah. He looks like someone on Twitter said, like, he looked like he should have been on that show California Dreaming. Oh, yeah. But the weird thing is, is that Ron looks like all of the pictures with Ron, I feel like, look like they're in 1978. He looks like he's from a different decade. Absolutely. Because Duncan has like puka shells and frosted tips, kind of like a surfer guy from the 90s. And Ron fully looks like he's wearing bell bottoms. I swear I would bet money that he is wearing bell bottoms in one of those pictures, like in a polyester patchwork shirt. I saw it. I saw it. (laughs) I swear. I saw it. I saw it. Who says I didn't see it? Maybe something Wiccan was going on and he had transported himself from a different decade. Kimberly, did you do something Wiccan This Way Comes for the title? No, but someone else did. Someone did something Wiccan This Way Comes? I'm kind of upset that you did it. Did I ruin a good good tweet? You did. I got one more and I think that you're going to bring it up. I'm going to put it in my titles before you can hit it. It's about Dragnet. Okay. okay. The detective looking through a stack of photos. Also, we have your new favorite thing that you brought up the other week, which is retired detectives somehow back in a precinct or office with police memorabilia. He had them pinned up with like a bulletin board and he was pointing at them like that. Did you see that? Which one? Detect Garcia or Jackson? Jackson, I believe. He was like that? Yeah. He was like pointing at it. That's a funny point. He was like thinking. The way that you're doing that point. So like, uh, uh, uh. That's got, yeah, it does look like that. No, uh, uh, not going to get away from me. <laughs> that you'd pull a fast one. Any other B-roll? I wanted to see everything about that tunnel, that holy hell. I know, that holy hell tunnel. That's what he said. Also, that tunnel was pitch black. They keep showing it with the police lights, but I was, 
how long is the tunnel? They don't tell us. Is it just miles or a quarter mile? It didn't look that long. There's no light in it whatsoever. I don't know much about trains going through tunnels other than Murder on the Orient Express and the Harry Potter train. I appreciate your honesty. I just don't think I've ridden through many trains on tunnels. Trains through tunnels. I feel like this is a very apropos episode after the drag race where the runway was. Oh, yeah, they did a train thing. That's kind of perfect. Do we have any fashion police? Oh, Brand's unhappy being on Dateline. Can we just say the occult is unhappy? They were dragged into this murder. And then they said, I told you so afterwards. All Wiccans. I thought that that girl that was telling us about the gentle rituals, what'd she say? Nonviolent rituals. I don't remember. Whatever she was saying was very specifically pointed, being like, we don't sacrifice baby lambs. Right. It was very pointed. We are not Satanists, pretty much is what she was trying to say. Absolutely. Because they had been painted otherwise in the media. Yeah. If you say witch, someone thinks the devil. Yeah. And that's not right because Wiccans and witches can be very peaceful. Yeah. The problem is just like other people, there are bad ones and good ones. There's also the media that's painting this religion in a bad way. The problem is also the media sometimes paints actual cults in a bad way and it's real. So, Yeah, like, that's true. Religion is hard. I don't know. I think it's, yeah, it's very, very hard. But I thought that she was going to be a big player and we do not see her after 15 minutes. But to play devil's advocate, a cult like Wiccan religion gets a bad name. Judaism doesn't get a, necessarily a bad name. Well, sometimes they do. Huh? Christians sometimes do. Sure. But like Scientology. Yes. How do you paint certain religions, you know, when... You know, you're not supposed to judge other religions, but they all get painted differently by the media. And this is a really big question, right? Because now I don't think that Wiccan people that study that are like Scientologists, but why do I think that? I've never been involved in either. I don't really know that much about either. It's just what kind of I've heard in the ether, you know? Right. Well, we know for a fact that if you are Wiccan, you don't have to not ever speak to your family again. We're pretty sure. We don't know that for a fact. Do you know that for a fact? Well, on Buffy, Willow was allowed to stay friends with her non-Wiccan, Wiccan friends. Was the Wiccan community happy with the Buffy portrayal of their religion? Well, they were mostly good, but again, there was a couple bad ones. And even one season where Willow was bad. How did they feel? I, I don't know how they felt about Buffy. I will ask them, though. Okay. Could you call? I will ask. I'm going to go on Reddit. I'm part of a Wiccan group there for Wiccan for intermediate, intro to Wiccanism 101, Wiccan 101. And I'm going to ask. And then you find out it's intro to Wickets and it's a croquet. (laughs) (laughs) You're very confused. I thought we were learning about how to be one with nature. No, you're learning how to hold this mallet. (laughs) Pipe down. Uh, Can I ask a very serious question? Where is where is the rat? What happened to the rat? Did yeah did go bye bye? I don't know if he has family or friends in the area that would take him. It's a great question. Maybe Melissa took the rat. I don't know. Maybe that detective. You know what? He was so buddy buddy with the, that cop in Utah. I bet that cop would adopt that rat. Did somebody come up with curiosity killed the rat? 
Okay. I just did. Okay, good. I'm just sprinkling them in. Okay, I feel like it's important. Anything else? Our VIP is Duncan Maitland, right? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. He was a champion of champions. I did not notice any particular fashion police besides Ron, who seemed to be decades behind everyone else. Yeah, also he's wearing a Hard Rock Cafe Honolulu shirt. I saw it. Which I liked. Made me smile. Can we bring those back, number one? I think I could thrift store source them. Yeah. When quarantine's over. Number two, the robes. We didn't talk about the pendants and the robes. I thought the pendants were going to play a much bigger part. What's up with that? So it's like he was studying Wiccan with the pentagram. And then he was, I'm sorry, is it Wiccan? You are a Wiccan person and it's Wicca is the religion? It's unsure. I'm covering all my bases by saying I don't know. Yeah, we're don't we're not experts. Apologies. They said he was a church going Methodist. He was a Methodist, so that's the cross and the fish. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then he also had the pentagram. So why did he have the knives? That one knife that you said was a big that was like a that I said was like a sword. Yeah, because it's like a it's like a long skinny daggery. Who knows? I think he was very interested in learning about religions, and yeah, I think so. so in different maybe cultures. Like, you know, remember Gabe from The Office had samurai sword on the wall and loved everything Japanese? I know you love Gabe. I do love Gabe. Uh, I have no idea why. Because everyone else is like, oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, no one does. But, you know, who he just kind of, I think, collected things that he thought were cool. Okay. I just would like to have known if the dagger was near the altar with the giant pentagram on it. That could have been his studying corner. But again, it's not really, it doesn't really matter what he was into. He didn't deserve to be killed, even if he was a full-on Satanist. And that's not what Katie's saying. That's not at all what Katie's saying. I'm more saying, I feel like that scene could have been set up after. Sorry. That's where I'm going. By the roommates to make it look like he was into some Did shady stuff. Did it seem stuff. a little too obvious is what I'm trying to say. That it's like the giant pentagram and then... So it's all these very specific kind of negative connotation occult items together. But Christine, his friend who was in the group, didn't seem to think it was weird that he had any of that stuff. Did she say that specifically about the altar? She went to the police and explained all the items to them and taught them about the religion. I think she they would have told her what they found and she would have told them what it all meant. Okay. Never mind then. And I trust Christine. Yeah. All right, let's get through this. We got to get to Twitter. What was the group called? Wiccan Circle? Magical Circle? Mystic Circle. My hairline. Titles. Yeah. Cult Occurrence. Except it wasn't. Doofus for a day. I've got one for that. Hold on. King for a day. Psychopath for a lifetime. Love it. I love it. Wiccan White Privilege. And then my favorite one, which is very niche. Not everyone's going to get it. Duncan Checks Out, which is a play... On the movie Dunstan Checks In. Dunstan Checks In. Which is about... A monkey. It's about a monkey that I think works in a hotel. Unsure. I know about that. I, I got you. Because Duncan ran away. He checked out. I thought that was really good. What about just the madness of two, though? That would have been a great... They kept talking about it. I bet we're going back and forth between the madness of two mm-hmm. and yeah. the other. How about the Nick at Night murder? Because that is very, very clearly how they were watching Dragnet. That was my, that was a tweet. I knew it. I thought of it. And then I was going to say, that's what I was talking about earlier. I figured it out because I was like, how are they watching Dragnet? Oh, it was on Nick at Night at that time because 
I used to watch Drag That. Oh, did you? I did. I could get into that. It wasn't the most fun. It wasn't the most enjoyable viewing. It was a little like work. <laughs> you oh, have to work. I at like it. cranky cops, though. I feel like, yeah, I feel like I'd like it. What about monotone cops? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Okay, and then one more. I have story ripped from the headlines or a death book. Wasn't that what it was called? The death book where they ripped the birth certificate, the death certificate out. It was like vital paperwork book or something. They called it the death book. They did? Yes. The book of death certificates, they called the death book? Death book. The county death book. It's No, it was called the county, sorry, a county death book. It still seems tacky. What else are you supposed to call it? The county deceased? The book of death certificates, not death book. I got to go back. I'm pretty sure they, that at least Curmudgeon called it the death book. Well, he might call it that. Yeah. Okay. They probably do amongst themselves, but I bet they didn't want people watching Dateline to know they call it the death book. I'm going to find it. I feel like I wouldn't have written it down if he didn't say death book. I believe you. I just don't know if he was supposed to say that. Okay. Are we doing Twitter? Yes, please. I really want to know what people thought. Okay. So a couple people had some titles for last week for our cop show about cops that are doing the, the business. Oh, yes. All right. Mary... And Cozy Little Books, not sure if they're the same person, both suggested cop a feel. That's genius, Mary. Liz said cops undercovers. Oh, gosh. That's good, too, right? I feel like we both need to be replaced. I know. Gosh, darn it. Jana said below the gun belt. Oh, my God. Which I feel like we were leaning towards, but we never got no, there. No, we didn't get there. It doesn't count. Uh uh-uh. uh. Stacia Stasia mm-hmm. says cops the wrong side of the beat. Yep. Or crossing the thin blue line. That's what mine was. Okay. Mine was the other side of the thin blue line or something like that. Yeah. But yeah. crossing the line is more, that's much better. Our friend Grace, Spooky Kid Podcast, said, I've been screaming cops ride along during the latest episode. <laughs> Thank you, Grace. And Emily said, Emily Christine said, cops, when booty calls, booty calls instead of duty calls. I have to leave. They're all so good. They're all so good. One better than the next. I know. Oh, my God. My confidence is at an all-time low. (laughs) I don't think I'll recover. Titles next time are going to be weak, you guys. I'm not even, they're going to be weak because I've now, I'm shaking. You guys gave her the yips. I did. That that gave me the yips. Yeah. Oh my uh-huh. God. Your lamb, she was cracking me up. She said, are you ever six minutes late to log on to Dateline and wonder if you're too late to ever understand the crime? And Amanda said, no, just rewind it. And your lamb said, how fancy do you think I am? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, how do you rewind it? I would not be able to rewind. You wouldn't? No, I don't have that. Oh, you just watch it online. Yeah, just watch it online. If it was live, I could rewind on the app. Like if I'm watching live TV, I don't think so. I haven't checked that technology. Oh, God. Okay, press on. Real South's wife says, now we're in Utah. See America with Dateline. (laughs) It's true. That is true. (laughs) She also said, the madness of two sounds like a very dark Celine Dion song. Oh, it does. Does this? Whispers in the moment. <laughs> and she also said, someone write a Broadway musical based on this case called King for a Day. I think she's thinking of The King and I, and then it would be King for a Day. 
I think it's great. I was more thinking of King George from Hamilton. Could it star? Oh, yeah, absolutely. She's the one who also said that they were must have been watching Nick at Night. Lisa P. said, well, that got me good and pissed off before bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> Veterans underscore I said, do y'all think secretly Duncan was low-key jealous of Ron's hair? Yes, I do. And so was I. Not even low-key. Yeah, high-key. High-key. Yeah. Sally B. said, anyone else see a little Ryan Seacrest or no? Oh, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, very good. I could totally, I could see him turning into Ryan Seacrest in like 10 years. Yes. Rockin underscore Robin 83 said, I hate to bring race into everything, but that's fair. Kim Kim said, famous bad boy Guy Fieri. Nora said, I'm sorry, did she just call Guy Fieri a magnetic sex symbol? Yes, she did. Wow, that was shocking. Yeah. Spa blah blah said, don't let me waste my night. Is Passport Guy coming back or not? Hashtag love him. Everyone loved him. If you didn't love him, you don't have a soul. Redheaded Scott said, I am loving this passport detective guy. I'd watch a whole show about him and his amateur investigations into suspicious passport antics. How many times is he wrong? I don't think he's ever wrong. I think his gut instinct, I think if he's wrong, he would quit his job completely. Yeah, I think you're right. He would give up because he's like, I don't have it anymore. Well, that's when he would move to the boat full time because you know he's working on a houseboat that he's going to retire on, but he doesn't really want to retire. So, yeah. 100%. Her modern life said, how did Duncan just move on with his life after being arrested for identity theft and passport fraud? Sounds about white. Oh. Kelly Kaler said, new show, Law and Order, Passport Fraud Unit. Yes. Starring... Duncan Maitland. Yes. Rex, the TV terrier, said, if a guy tells you to call him doofus, believe him and walk away. (laughs) Brilliant. That's very good. Sound advice. Yes. Anastasia Beaverhausen says, OMG doofus, truth in advertising. Yep. And Keisler Sose said, something Wicca this way comes. To which our friend Charles said, Katie is going to be so disappointed in herself. And Keisler said, that's exactly who I was thinking of when I wrote it. And Liz says, she's going to drop a dang it. And then they were all saying they could just hear you saying, dang it. But you got there on your own. Confidence re-upped. Uh-huh. Because not only did all of those people think that I wouldn't get there. Yep. I I didn't write it in my notes. It came thoroughly naturally to me during the recording. And it's a Kaiser Sose. I can't say the name. Because you want to say Kaiser Sose, but his name is... Kaiser. Is Kaiser, yeah. Guys, this is huge. I just gave you a slow clap and it was well earned. Adam, any kind of sound effect with the children cheering or like... (laughs) People freaking out at a concert because it's the Beatles. <laughs> Anything like that would be really appreciated because. Honored by their country. Decorated by their queen. And loved here in America. Here are the. Katie. Oh, my God. I Are you so it. happy? She's beaming, you guys. I'm so happy. <laughs> I was telling Kimberly that I had a weird day today. It's so. 
Yeah, it's all uphill from here, this baby. really helped. Yep. I'm super happy. I love it. Thank you for listening, guys. Consider becoming part of our Patreon community. We have really fun things like Katie recapping Drag Race. We do live YouTube chats. We give you a bonus episode every month if you're at our $5 level. 90 Day Fiance. 90 Day Fiance recaps. And you guys, it's crazy season so far. There's a lady who's training to be in the world. Guinness Book of World Series for hula hooping. There's a guy that doesn't really like his fiance. Which one? That's only a joke. Okay, if you watch the show and understand that, like, it's constant. That's all of them. Yeah, there's someone who's clearly only someone for a green card. And there's some couples that are actually in love and... One of their parents are actual psychopaths. One of their parents is also in love with one of them. <laughs> so it's confusing and it's a whirlwind. We don't know where the romance will end or begin. No. Begin. Thruple could be. <laughs> Mother boy 30. I don't know what to call it. Mother boy 90 day fiance. It's really good. Check it out, you guys. It's very fun. And also drag race recap is that's a heavy term. I talk a spattering about Drag Race and apply makeup to my face on camera. It's really fun. She calls it Drag Brunch, and it's Mm -hmm. a hoot and a half. And that is at our $10 level, along with our monthly YouTube lives. We're just trying to entice people at this point. Please join our Patreon, you guys. Please. And thank you for all of you at the $2 level again, who, like I said, are just doing out of the goodness of their hearts. And we we carry them with us every day. In our hearts. You'll be in my heart. What's that from? Tarzan. Tarzan? The Phil Collins song from Tarzan? Mm. Okay. I don't, I've never seen it, but I know the song. That was surprising. Sorry. Sorry about that. Take care of each other. Please be kind to someone this week. Coming in the air tonight. Well, that was unkind for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Be kind to someone this week. Go watch those twins recap watching that video because that's their best one. It's not the best one. I will fight you. I think it's the best one. Go watch them. Oh, no. Bohemian Rhapsody is, or no, any of the Queen ones maybe are the best. Also, please watch them watching Creep by Radiohead. Yeah, that one's good too. I love that one. And also watch them journey any journey also the most exciting part of that nbc news special which was great by the way they air it on new year's eve every year and it has a bunch of their nbc personalities talking about the year all the funny stuff about the year like bloopers and you know viral memes and stuff like that but they talked about those guys and dennis is a huge fan of theirs he says he's seen all of their videos dennis knows those twins and he watches all their videos I didn't know Dennis had a computer. If you guys would like Kimberly and I to do one reaction video, let me know. Because I was thinking that might be fun. We can do that on our YouTube lives. Yeah. yeah. We got to figure out how to put video up. Yeah, we will. If you have tech knowledge of that, let me know. Okay. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. That was good. technology. Oh, I didn't even mean to say that. You didn't? Dang it. No. Yes, I did. Okay. Bye. That's smart. That was a good one. I didn't say it. I didn't mean to. Darn it. That it was good. Oh, no, I just said it weird. Oh, <laughs> poop. All right. Bye, everyone. Take care. Bye. In Boston, Mass, at a, <laughs> I, I don't know, I was going to try something. I didn't do it. Instead of Black Mass, you were doing Boston Mass? Oh. Okay. No.
What's black mass? It's like, it's like the occult. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I don't think I brought the occult into any of my titles. That needs to get rectified (laughs) right now. I'm upset. Okay. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Is your social security card laminated? No, it is not. It has been through the wash. So it's very wrinkly and faded because it was in my jeans once and survived the wash. So there's a chance I might have to get a new one one day. I'm thinking that day has come for me because I don't remember the last time I saw my social security card. How do you do that? You have to go to the federal building. And beg them? Because what ID do you show them? You probably need a birth certificate. Okay. So you're going to have to talk to your mom and do some serious soul searching because she doesn't even have your college diploma, we don't think. No, she definitely doesn't. I need one of those files that's marked important, Mm -hmm. but it actually needs to have important stuff in it because the last time I saw my file that was marked important, it had car insurance information from three cars ago. Yeah, it's just concerning. You also could maybe use your passport? Oh, I do have a passport. So I had it at some point. You have a passport and you have a driver's license. So I don't know if they might do it that way. Sorry, this has nothing to do with any of this. You need a birth certificate. But we're just walking through Katie some adulting things. Thanks. Sorry, guys. So Adam, if you could take that out and put it (laughs) either in the trash or in the end, that would be great. Just take the pick. Editor's choice on that topic. Boy, oh boy. Also, don't feel bad for me. I've done this to myself. (laughs) It's my own fault. Because I'm like all about the Wicca. I'm like, what's going on? Perfluous. Yeah, superfluous. They're perfluous. Perfluous. That's what I'm saying. They're super perfluous. They're not superfluous. They're super perfluous. That was good. I like that. You can't drop the mic, but it was good. I'm not superstitious, but I am a little (laughs) superstitious. A little superstitious.